your go-to-market process, that means your sales process, is very much discovery focused. Even if you have a, at some point a transactional product, in your sales process, you're gonna talk to your customers and you're gonna let them speak for 80% of the time. You're just gonna ask them questions. Why, 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 why? Why is your customer? Why do they need it? Why really try to isolate what's the need for the customer? Project A Podcast. Good morning again. Um, my name is Simon. I'm one of the co-founders and co-CEOs of Clara. Um, Clara is, our mission at Clara is to revolutionize and transform health communication so that every patient can receive great care. We are uh, based in Berlin and New York. Um, however, we only market our product in New York City and we have our engineering and product team uh, in Germany. Um, what Clara is basically, we are a secure um, communication platform that allows doctors and their staff to communicate with patients and each other so that um, they communicate much faster, much more efficiently with patients and they don't waste time a lot playing phone tag with patients, right? And for patients, it's amazing because now they are able to communicate with their providers simply via messaging. And when I say providers, I don't mean just the doctor, right? So that you can ask a question, hey, is this, is this benign or is this something bad? Um, but they can actually schedule their appointment. They can have organizational questions. Anything that you would be doing over the phone, they can do over, via messaging. So before, before I go on, um, you know how in, in a startup, everybody uh, kind of faces the same uh, um, kind of challenge? Oh, thank you. And, uh, and I thought about what can I give to you? What is the most valuable thing that we learned over the last couple of years? And that's what I decided the topic to be. And um, when I think about any startup, it's, that's what you're faced with, right? You, you build a company and you just go, everybody has to run as fast as you, as you can. You're as the founder or you as um, the VP of sales or the VP of marketing or the account executive, you just have to run as fast as you can. And then you see great metrics like for the SaaS world, the B2B world. Hey, in the first year you have to triple your revenue. In the second year you have to triple your revenue. And in the third year you have to double it. And then in the consecutive two years you have to double it each time again. And you think like, Yes, we can do this. This is so awesome. This is exactly, you know, what, 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 is it, what is in the way for us? But then halfway through, you think like, oh shit. Um, we acquired a lot of customers that actually don't need our product. You know, so you have, you're starting to build a leaky bucket. Or you think, shit, I, we are not growing that fast. And um, I think all of us have been faced uh, uh, with these kind of problems. And the same thing happened to us. We grew very quickly. We hired a lot of people that we didn't need. We, we acquired a lot of customers that weren't a good fit for us. And so we stepped back and said like, all right, um, isn't there a better way to do this? And today I want to talk, talk to you about what we ended up doing. And we chose a framework how we want to grow this company, right? And I'm not saying that this is the ultimate framework, but that's the framework that we chose. I think there are a lot of frameworks out there um, that you can use, and at the end of the day, they're probably all the same, but this is what we went for. Um, so 
high level, we went for a framework that shows in the first phase, we want to have product market fit. That means we want to know how to get customers successful on our product. So we focus on customer success. The second phase is then how do we acquire customers in an efficient way. So with you can measure this in many different ways. CAC payback um, is one of the examples. So how many months it takes you to um, uh, get back the customer acquisition cost or LTV to CAC ratios, blah, blah, blah. There's so many metrics, and we can talk about this afterwards if you want to. And in this phase, you're kind of experimenting a lot because let's think about the first phase. You're, like, you're trying to find what makes a customer successful. So you build a lot of features. You see it doesn't work, or you define a value proposition, and you realize that this value proposition is actually not what your product does. It actually does something else. So you experiment a lot. And the same you do with how you acquire customers. You go, you think, oh, I can, you know, um, I do a uh, 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 single sign-up sign uh, or I uh, reach out, I do paid advertisements and have them come to a landing page and then um, I put my AEs on, my account executives on it, whatever. Like you, you have to experiment a lot in order to understand how you're going to acquire your customers. And once you found out how all of this works, then you want to make sure that you stabilize um, how uh, that your customers are successful and you also want to make sure that you stabilize your customer acquisition efficiency and then you start scaling and not before and what most people do and we've done the same mistakes they start scaling before they actually know something so let's break this down a little bit more concretely um, and I think you can have access to these slides um, but if we focus on the first phase that's product market fit the goal of the phase is to get customers successful, right? So your target market is not everyone in the market. It's probably the early adopters who want to try out something new. Um, your go-to-market process, that means your sales process, is very much dis discovery-focused. Even if you have, a, at, at some point, a transactional product, you're gonna in your in your sales process. You're gonna talk to your customers and you're gonna let them speak for eighty percent of the time. And you're just gonna ask them questions: Why, 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 why? Why is your customer? Why do they need it? Why? Really try to isolate what's the need for the customer, and that's why it's a more consultative, discovery-based sales process. So you make sure that your your account executives, um, if if we go a little bit in the uh, on the uh, um, sales hiring. You make sure that your account executives are more entrepreneurs. They're not um, like transactional salespeople. They are maybe even a little bit product people, right? Or en entrepreneurial people that can make sure that they give the feedback that they get out of the uh, sales process back into the product and they start iterating. But they're not focused on hitting their quota all the time. Um, pricing um, is also something that's interesting. You want to you don't want to solve, um, you don't want to design your pricing in the way that you have efficient unit economics, but you want to solve your pricing that it makes most sense for the, for the customer. So an example could be that you um, tie the pricing to the value of the customer or you tie the pricing so that the customer feels most, um, uh, most comfortable, so it's something that they're used to. And the sales comp, even you could think about like tying the comp or the compensation of the account executives to um, the customers that they have acquired 
hitting customer success, yeah? reaching customer success. You're not just comping them, giving them their bonus um, based on that they closed the deal, but actually that the customer reached um, like a customer success metric. Then in the next phase, so once you said, okay, we are able to get customers successful on the product, now let's start to acquire them in an efficient way. So you focus on unit economics, so that's the go-to-market fit um, phase. And the target market is the early majority. Um, the go-to-market pro uh, process is getting more transactional, it's more process-oriented. You try to figure out how, what are the steps to get to a customer successful, you try to focus on what's um, my time to close the, um, the sale, and you test for positive unit economics. You try to iterate on your process, on, your, and on the way you set up your um, acquisition process, your demand gen process, and your sales process, depending on getting a positive unit economics. And when I talk about positive unit economics, again, you can measure this in many different ways. I think in the beginning, it's, it doesn't make sense to focus on LTV to CAC ratio because LTV is like a longer forward-looking metric. And in the beginning, you don't know how long your customers will stay with you. But you can focus on other metrics like CAC payback, which is basically the amount of months that it takes you to repay um, the customer acquisition cost. So let's say, for example, you pay $1,000 to acquire the, the customer, and you get $100 each month from the customer. It takes you 10, month, 10 months to, um, to repay that customer. Or it takes, it's the CAC payback is 10 months. There's also, you can, uh, the new trend, I don't know how this is in Germany, but in general, now people want to look at CAC payback gross margin weighted, um, which is something you can look into, and we can talk about this later. Um, what is um, interesting here is you now change the profile of the salespeople to more like a, an executor, right? But this, um, this, the, sales, the profile of this person is really like a traditional, more traditional salesperson. But in any startup at that point, you still need people that are curious, that are coachable, right? Because your, your, your sales process will change. And if you just have a person who just thinks linear and just wants to go forward, then you're not going to be able to work with this person um, efficiently. An example for this is um, we went out to talk to customers directly, like going to them in their offices and trying to close them. That is obviously not efficient, right? And then we pulled everyone in-house. For certain salespeople, that was a problem. These are not the right salespeople in that phase. Um, and very important, you don't forget about customer um, success you, you still want this to be true. So you're not going to do things that make your sales process more efficient with um, the cost of losing uh, um, customer success. So your customers still have to be um, successful. And now you think about, all right, if you manage um, to have your customers successful on your product, you manage to have positive unit economics, great. Only then you start going into scale phase. And the scale phase basically means, and you can do this in, depends on, how, uh, on your business, obviously, but it basically means that you um, start, for example, adding one account executive per month or two account ex executives a month. You can do whatever you want, right? But one, while you're doing this, you still monitor your customer success metrics and your unit economics. And if one of them goes into red, 
you pause. You don't keep on scaling. You pause, you try to fix this again. And if, if it's still in green, everything, then you can start thinking about scaling even faster. And that's the growth framework that we, um, that we decided to go for. So, in, um, so this is a lot of text, so excuse that, but this is basically repeating what I just said. And the big takeaway, um, what I want you to uh, also focus on, you can apply this framework even when you open up new customer segments. So let's say you focus right now on SMB customers, right? And you develop a very good, and you can scale the SMB go-to-market. Then fine, but like mid-market or enterprise, that's a whole, whole different new ballgame. You don't know if your customers are going to be successful in the enterprise. Um, you don't know if, if, if your acquisition process is, 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 is efficient. So we, we apply the same framework for the different customer segments. That means that you also need to track that in a different way. It's almost like treating that, uh, the P&L for the segments um, separately. The number one takeaway that I want you um, to go home with is if you do anything, just look at customer success. Even if you're already in scale phase, it never, never hurts to look at your, if your customers are successful. So what do I mean with this? Like we even said to our employees, hey, if we want to succeed in our mission, then our customers need to be successful, right? And our mission is to transform healthcare communication so that um, every patient can receive great care. Okay, great, but we need to sell our product to, um, to practices. They need to adopt the product, so the value proposition needs to stick, stick. So our product promise was, hey, if you start using Clara, you're gonna uh, waste less time doing phone tags. So you're gonna save time, you're gonna save costs. And at the same time, your patients are gonna be much happier, which translates into um, a higher bottom line. And then you need to make sure, all right, I'm communicating, hey, we're making you more efficient, your patients are gonna be happy, right? That's a, just a promise. But then you need to measure if you're actually delivering this promise. And then the easiest measure to look at is like, do customers renew, right? That's churn. Now, the problem with us was, um, or if they even expand, right? That's, that's a good measure if you're actually delivering your promise. The problem, the problem with, it, with this is at our company, we sell 12 months contracts. So we have to wait 12 months to know if we're successful. That's kind of life and death for a startup. We can't wait 12 months to know if, we're, if our customers are successful. So to reiterate on this a little bit, Unsex, uns, why, why it's so important to have successful customers. Unsuccessful com customers will eventually churn, so you will spend a lot of money acquiring these customers, and then you create a leaky bucket. And at some point, you will, with new revenue, you will still, like, uh, you're still able to compensate for all the churn you're creating, but at some point, you're just flat. And then you will, your revenue will drop, and then you can basically close your doors. On top of that, if, your customers are not successful, customers talk to each other. I mean, it depends how big your market is, but our market is focused on uh, practices, so it's, it's a defined market. Um, they will talk to each other, so it will make the process for your salespeople to acquire other customers even harder. But on the flip side, if you think about it, if you have successful customers, they stay with your product. They might even expand, plus they will talk positively about you. And that's how you create a rocket ship, right? And not a sick company.
again, coming back to customer success, um, customer success, if you, if you focus on churn, it's a lagging indicator, especially if you have uh, 12 months contracts, right? Um, so we wanted to define a leading indicator for customer success. So we want to see early signs in the first 30 to 60 days if a customer is successful. So that's why we define a leading indicator for customer success. How do you define a leading indicator for customer success? That obviously depends hugely on your company, right? If you have monthly contracts, what your value proposition, et cetera. But there are a kind of a couple of, um, of guidelines how to define a, uh, a leading indicator for customer success. So it needs to be easily measurable. If you define something that's super complicated, first of all, you will not understand it. And then um, if you measure it, it always breaks. Um, you need to be able to observe the uh, leading indicator for customer success very quickly so that you can start iterating very fast. Um, it should also correlate um, with your value proposition, right? Um, so that it's tied to your value proposition. You know, the, the examples for these are different. Repeat purchase, referrals, setup, uses, adoption metrics, ROI are all common. Revenue is never really a good way to measure customer success. And it's obviously okay to use multiple metrics. You can say NPS plus adoption is uh, defining if a customer is successful. Here are examples of leading indicators. So we are not alone. This is not just like me uh, thinking about a great framework. Um, Facebook, for example, they identified a customer is successful and stays with their product if they um, connected with seven friends in, in 10 days. Slack. They identified that a customer is successful if they team sent 2,000 messages. That's when the product got sticky and the people started using it more. Dropbox said they needed to add one file to one folder on one device. HubSpot, they said they need to, out of the 25 features, they need to be actively using five. At Clara, it's a little bit more complicated, um, but it's, it, essentially it's an adoption metric. And what we say is that 50% of the staff have to send a message in at least five days of the last 30 days. If 50% of the staff have sent five uh, message, uh, five uh, have sent a message on at least five days of the last 30 days, then um, we know that the customer is not going to be churning. And then what you want to be doing is you want to put this in a customer cohort, right? And ideally. The first cohort is not looking that great, and then the cohorts start looking much better. And that's what you need to be tracking massively. And, that's, and when these fields are green, only then you move into unit economics. What I highly advise you to do is start with this today. It's going to make your business healthy. And the way to start um, the steps are Define a customer success measurement based on the principles that I just said. Define an acceptable percentage that you want to be reaching in order then to be moving into the next phase in order to identify go-to-market fit. Then begin tracking your cohorts. You need to see, start seeing improvements month over month. Define quant uh, like clear goals what you want to hit like in Q1, I want to hit this percentage. In Q2, I want to hit this percentage. And then define what you want to be end up um, towards the end of, end of the year. No matter, like at the end of the day, what we also realized, no matter how you define the leading indicator for customer success, 
mostly it doesn't really matter. You're gonna find out, and if it's like 70%, 40%, it doesn't matter. It's more important what you guys are doing every day to push that customers are successful, right? It needs to be in your company, it needs to be in the head, not only from customer success, not only from product, it needs to be, sale, marketing needs to acquire the right leads that sales can close, right? The rightly qualified. Sales needs to qualify the prospects that you're acquiring the right customers because if you're acquiring customers that can simply not be onboarded, then you will never make the customer successful. So this is not a metric that is just on the product side or on the customer success or implementation side that affects the whole company. And so, you know, sit with your team, try to um, go after this action plan and see what you need to be doing. One really important thing for founders is you need to align this with your investors. You need to talk to your board. You need to get the framework of this into the mindset of, of your board. And no board in the world wants unsuccessful customers. So having said this, um, have you, do you have any questions? I'm happy to answer anything right now. I don't know how I am in time. Um, but yeah, uh, here are my contact details. Uh, use this framework, it's gonna make your company successful. Thank you. Any, any questions? Thanks for the presentation. I think uh, your slide with the table is actually uh, the key slide. And uh, I know that for our company, following this could have saved a lot of money and time already. Like, how much time and money could you have saved if you have followed this from the beginning on? And what were your kind of like three main points where you didn't follow it, basically? So basically mistakes that other companies could avoid. Yeah, so thank you. So in terms of how much money we save, probably millions. I'm not even joking. Like it, it, it starts with um, spending money on customers that you shouldn't have on your platform, um, putting all the time into it, building features that don't fit into um, the value proposition, etc. Uh, but I can't give you an exact number. Um, the most important thing is probably that you lose time. And uh, every time, like time for a start, startup is burn. And every time you burn money, um, it's time lost, right? Um, so first of all, was not applying this framework, to be honest. Um, mistakes was like, we just scaled way too fast. We hired salespeople that we wanted, like we even started to um, hire transactional salespeople. We had them sell like a value proposition that we could not actually fulfill. So that ended up, we had customers being, not only they wanted to churn, but they were also very much pissed off and they talked badly about us with other customers. Um, so that was um, very much a big mistake. And I think the other mistake that we did was not making sure that this affects the whole company. And when I mean the whole company, it's just what I just said, is you have to start with your investors. They need to be, your board needs to be on, uh, in, in line with this. If they're not on the same page, you can do whatever you want because you will be like, they will ask you numbers that are not relevant, that you're not focusing on, and then you have like two different um, uh, ways that you're going. And at the same time, if, especially in the beginning phase, um, I think it's, very, very important that also every single function has like a contribution how to improve this leading, custom, uh, leading indicator for customer success. So if, if, if marketing doesn't feel accountable or like the SDRs, then 
then it's going to get difficult because hey, what 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 can I do? What can I do to make customers successful? No, that's uh, that's that's fucking wrong. You have to like make sure that you acquire the right cu customers, that you prospect the right customers, and you salesperson, you need to make sure that you qualify the right customers, and only that um, can make your custom uh, your um, th that can help this um, framework to work successfully. Um, so how did you go about figuring out like what the right methodology is to find out what that like that that sticky that stickiness indicator is mm -hmm. so to find out that you need to at least be talking to five people in the last 30 days to to keep them so if I'm a startup and um, I want to find out what it is that makes my customer like what it is that makes my customer sticky or mm -hmm. how they need to be in order to stay with me. Do you have, would you recommend, uh, could you, or could you recommend methodologies that I could have a look at? Yeah. So it really depends uh, what resources you have in the company. So we gave it to a very highly analytical person, like almost a business intelligence uh, analyst and to go through all the existing customers and learn from the churns that we already have and see what do the people have in common that stay with the company and what do the people have in common that um, uh, that churned away. And then we, we, we looked, we different, like we segmented those customers and then we looked at their adoption metrics. And so like, hey, what are these, what do they have in common? So you really have to go down and analyze these customers deep down, what are they doing? You have to sit, if you don't have that person, you have to do it yourself, right? Churn. If you don't have churn, then you need to start talking to your customers very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that um, you kind of need very different salespeople for the different stages in your framework. Yeah. And you said that you basically apply, the, apply that framework again to different customer segments. Yes. So let's say you are in a growth stage for SMBs and then you start targeting enterprise um, yeah. customers. Would you hire different salespeople then? Because yes. you said they're different. So basically you set up a completely new team and have them yes. basically focus I mean, on. that's, you're absolutely right, that's ideal. Yeah. Obviously nothing in, in a company or in a startup is ideal, but I would, I would separate this out. First of all, you're disrupting the process of the people who are executing. And second of all, it's a totally different thing. You can't mix the numbers like the acquisition costs or the customer success metrics with different segments, right? So I, you have to segment, you have to have a separate team for this. And maybe what, what you can do um, is you take someone from your um, account executives that you had in the beginning that was helping you being entrepreneurial in that stage um, to identify in, in the first product market stage, you can apply them in the, in, for a different segment. Or even better, you as the founder do it as yourself. But in that phase, I would always like with any new segment, even if you're the founder, I would always tag team with a product person when you open up a, a new segment because you're not asking the right questions. In my case, I tend to overpromise. I think like, oh yeah, we have that feature. We're gonna have that. We're gonna have that tomorrow. And so you have to have people who kind of set the <laughs> set the bar a little bit lower. Into the B2B sales, yeah. uh, you mentioned that uh, um, the mistake could be that uh, spend wasting time to acquire the customer which doesn't really belongs to the product fit mm -hmm. so in practice usually um, as a salesperson we need to uh, identify a lot of uh, leads in order to generate 
a strong pipeline. Mm -hmm. So that means how can we uh, in advance to identify the right indicator to know whether this is the customer we should invest our time. So this is the first question. The second question is in practice, was that uh, easy to really say that, okay, we know how, how can we know this is the right customer that we should go for, for work? Because for the salesperson, actually at the first beginning, we all want to have many leads as possible in order to generate yeah. uh, the closing the deals. Yeah, so just one, like for the first question, so the, it's very important to understand that in the first place, your goal is not to increase revenue, right? The, the goal is to find, get customers to success. So if that means you only have like a little, uh, small set of customers, then it means you have a small set of customers, right? That's why it's so important to get your board uh, on the same page. And then to the second, like also the, the first question, how do you identify which customers to acquire for? So if you have already churn and you can identify a customer profile, these should be the customers that you should be going after and the other ones you shouldn't waste time on, right? You should not prospect them because they're not going to be successful in the product. Because if you acquire them, they're going to churn and it's going to create a leaky bucket and you end up having them having to acquire even more when you, go, uh, when you move on. <clears throat> so if you have churn or other any um, metrics that allow you to identify the customer profile, if you don't have any data, then you have to make an hypothesis. And you have to make customer interviews and think about like be very close with the customers and see like how this uh, um, works with your customers and focus on adoption metrics, satisfaction metrics, and then translate them back into uh, defining your ideal customer profile. Was that a lesson you learned afterwards or were you so strong at the first beginning you know that, okay, uh, no. first goal is not to create the revenue? No, we, we, we messed this up completely in the beginning, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, we, we really we messed it up. This. We, we lost revenue, unfortunately, for Project A. <laughs> uh, um, no, but uh, it's, it's true. Like, you, you, you have to do this eventually, right? So if you don't do this in the beginning, you have to do this later, and then it becomes much more painful because you have much more people in your company based on false promises, based on, and you're going in, and then making changes, then let's say you have to, you realize that this, this customers that you were acquiring, 90% of them are not a good fit, like I'm painting a very bad picture. But what are you gonna do? Then you have to um, lay off, lay off uh, most of your staff. That's gonna hurt you big time. And you've spent a lot of money to get there and you build features that are not relevant because the customers are just looking for features that don't even fit your, um, your product promise. Um, one caveat, uh, not caveat, but one addition to this, I didn't invent this myself. This is, um, I highly recommend reading the sales acceleration formula from Mark Roberish. Um, he's also an investor in Clara. Uh, Mark Roberish used to be the CRO and was like in the founding team of HubSpot and um, he kind of drove us into using this framework. And in the beginning, it, it, it was very painful, to be honest. It was not an easy process because like, you have to talk to your board, you have to talk to your whole company, people have to change what they're doing, um, even though it seems successful, but it's not successful in terms of customer success. So this, is a, this, is a, this process becomes more painful the longer you wait. Thank you very, very much.